Today, I'm going to be sharing a sermon with you, which I'm going to be telling you the title later on. But I want to quickly read a particular scripture. And then there's been something that's been stirred on my heart. And if you could just let me know how much time I have as well. There's something that's been stirred on my heart for a while that I just really feel. Have you guys ever felt to be in that jolly mood? Anyone ever been in a jolly mood before? You know, it's really, really exciting. Jiggy, jiggy, heavy, heavy. Yeah, I feel like that sometimes. So if you could just let me know the timer, please. Just let me know how long I've got on that as well. That would be great. Great. Thank you. So quickly, turn with me to John chapter 14. I'm going to read from verse 7 through to 9. John chapter 14. I'm going to read from verse 7 through to 9. As per usual, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. So if you're there with me, if you're there with me please say I. You're there? John 14, verse 7 through to verse 9. And it goes as follows. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you ha- from now on, you know him and have seen him. Verse 8. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father. And it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you had not seen me or known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can, how can you say, show us the Father? Blessed be the word of the Lord. As I was reading that, it made me really think like people really did life with Jesus for a while. They did life with Jesus to the point that like, All right, I've seen you, cool. But I want to see more. I want to see, I want to see God the Father. I want to see God the Father and the glory and everything. And she's like, wow, you, Jesus is like, you've been with me all this time and you still don't. You don't, you don't know me. Like, you don't even know who I am. You don't even know my relationship with the Father. You don't know. You think there's something more to it, which there is, but at the same time, there isn't. And that, that juxtaposition can sometimes be a bit challenging. And sometimes we forget that they were in the presence of the best gift ever, right? They were in the presence of Jesus himself. And if there's one thing I just began to feel when I woke up really jiggy this morning, I was like, you know what? I'm in a good mood. Anyone ever been in a good mood before? Anyone feeling good today? Well, my good mood today is that I actually said I want to give some people a gift. Who wants a gift? Who wants a gift? Gift? You want a gift? You want a gift? All right, stand up. I've got for you two today. Stand up, stand up, stand up. All right, cool. Give them a round of applause as they come forward. Yeah, I've got a gift for you, man. I'm in a good mood. Come forward, don't be scared, don't be scared. How you doing, high five? Wait, 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 a giga bread? Oh, sorry, yeah, how you doing, high five? You doing? Good? Okay, wait, don't, wait, wait. Remember, before you get a gift, there's always a little challenge, right? Come forward, come on, come, 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 come close. So what's gonna happen? Don't read my notes. You know they're reading your notes, trying to get some insight. So here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna ask you a set of questions, yeah? And then um, whoever wins gets whatever you, defi- whatever you believe is first prize and whatever, right? Great, first question. Who wants to go first? Great. All right, are you ready? Christ, connection, and... Contribution. Oh, contribute. Give it a round of applause. Wow, yes, yes, girl, yes. Are you ready, yeah? Okay, cool. You are... Four, three. You are... Loved, she said loved, okay. But the answer is? Significant. significant, which is our church mantra. You are significant, that's fine, that's fine. Give a round of applause as well, she deserves that as well, man. That's great, that's great. But with that said, because you got it right first, right? You are the winner, so give her a round of applause. So come, here's the, here's the part. So there's two gifts here, you can look, but you can't touch. 
So you can look. So you take a look. Okay, which one are you going for? You going for that one? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> you, happy, you happy with it? Okay, come. You're still first choice. You keep this. All right, cool. You can look, but you can't touch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You happy with it? I take it. Take your gift with you. Give a massive round of applause. Give a round of applause. Take your seats. Take your seats. Quick disclaimer: Don't open your gift in church because I might call you up later. Is that okay? All right, cool. Don't open up your gift in church. Thank you. I told you, I thought in a good mood. I, you know, you wake up and sometimes you feel led to give gifts. You're like, these gifts are not cheap, you know, but you thought, you know what? Nonetheless, let me give out some of these gifts. But also, some of the gifts I've given out also relate to my sermon today. And my sermon today, before I go into the title once again, I want to share with you another scripture taken from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2 to 3. And it goes as follows. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Someone say dry ground. dry ground. For he has no form or comeliness. When we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. And we did not esteem him. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You see, Isaiah is, a, is profound as well as prophetic because we're seeing the story of the coming Messiah. We're seeing over 700 years way before how this points to Jesus. He, had, he was without comeliness. They didn't desire him. There, were, there was nothing about him that they were, well, okay, this is who we want. And even the Jews are still waiting for their Messiah to come in, shining armor, looking tall, bold and handsome like myself. Like, you guys can imagine, you guys paint the picture, right? But the scripture says it was without comeliness. There was nothing about him that, that, that they wanted, that they thought, oh, yeah, this must be him. This must be the Messiah. But furthermore, as we look at Jesus, when you begin to even look at Jesus's life, you begin to see there are so many things about him that doesn't paint the picture as the person worth worshipping, worth even potentially seeing as king. What do I mean by that? Let's look at point one, where Jesus was born. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11 through to 12, it says, it goes as follows, For there, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Lying in a manger. Where was Jesus lying? In a manger. Your king, the king of the world, the all-powerful, all-knowing was lying in a manger. Was lying in a place that you wouldn't even put your own children. Any of you guys put your children there? Any mothers celebrate Mother's Day, put your children there? No. Most of you guys are like, no, I'm holding my, I'd rather keep my baby in my arms. In a manger. He was born, they found him lying in a manger. But that's interesting because that is equal as prophetic as we find a prophecy fulfilled in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, which tells us in verse 2 in Micah chapter 5, But you, Bethlehem of Uratha, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet unto, yet unto of you all shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, who's going forth are from old, from everlasting. We're beginning to see a prophecy fulfilled, but if I was the people of those times, 
and I read this particular scripture and I'm like, okay, there's someone that's going to be the ruler of Israel whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. How many of you guys paint the picture of some serious looking warrior? Anyone paint that picture in their mind? Or is it just me? Right? You have the picture of like, a ruler, a warrior, somebody that's coming with a, a strong level of presence and a command, someone that's coming to dictate and rule. And as I said earlier, some people are, some of the Jews alike are still waiting for that person to come in that manner. But there's something interesting here. As well, we see where he's born. They're like, well, this definitely can't be him because this one is born in Bethlehem in a manger. Definitely can't be him. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't fit the profile. It's not what we are looking for. Doesn't have the look, the feel, or even the storyline. It's not a good story. It doesn't make the cut. This is not what we are looking for. But let's look at point two. How did he enter? Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 through to 5 goes as follows. Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 through to 5. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples. How many disciples? Saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. Verse 4. And all this was done that it might fulfill which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a fowl of a donkey. And we can see that prophecy was also fulfilled in Zechariah 9 verse 9. And Zechariah 9 verse 9 goes as follows. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just... He's just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, a fowl of a donkey. So this great ruler, this great king, this great Messiah is coming in on a donkey. Can you imagine? Let's relate that to dating for a moment. I always used to make a mischievous joke with some of my friends. I said, one day, if I'm ever going on a date night, I'm going to get one of those old school minis. Not the minis that you've seen. I'm talking, I'm talking about the minis before you was born. You know the ones that are really, really tight? I might drive one of those and get some hidden cameras and say, hi, nice to meet you. I might probably dress in a very average way. When the car doesn't start, I might ask her to push it a little bit. Say, don't worry, it's a bit difficult, hard times, but don't worry. Tough times last, but only tougher people last. But I might ask her to jump with me and probably go to maybe Nando's or maybe I might go to Katie's. For those of you guys that are familiar with Southeast London, we have the famous Katie's. And then we might go for a walk. And then I might buy water, not the water of Evian. I might probably get Tesco water just to kind of let her know that it's the thought that counts. <laughs> and hopefully she might see me as someone worth keeping. I'm sure if that was the story in today's times, most people might pace me all over social media saying that this guy took me on the worst day ever. But I might, cam I might I always said I might do that to just to camouflage who I am truly behind closed doors, who I am from the rest of the world. But... This is also what we're seeing in scripture. Jesus comes in without comeliness. Why not come with a chariot and one of those beautiful horses that's just glowing? Why not come on a horse? So when you, you know those horses, when you ride, it just moves your body like this. You know those ones and you just stay like, eh. you see. But can you imagine coming in on a donkey? They're just wobbling and you're just there like, it's coming in slow, sluggish, it's like a donkey. A donkey is sometimes what people call people to insult them. Look at you, you donkey. But the Messiah comes in on a donkey. 
But there's something powerful and prophetic about that. He says, go and tell those people that, you know what, I'm in need of this donkey. So he already foreknows, Jesus already foreknew exactly how he was going to come in. He knew. He knew his worth. And I think there's something about us as well as believers. We need to know who we are as well as whose we are. At times we're living in this world where we try to fit in because we try to please everybody apart from pleasing the living king. And it is so important to know how Jesus entered. But then that takes me to my third point. What did Jesus accomplish? What did Jesus accomplish? In John chapter 6, verse 39 through to 40, it goes as follows. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. What did Jesus accomplish? What was his mission? What was his goal? What was his aim? What was he thinking? What was his plan? While the rest of the world wanted to see their Messiah looking nice and bright and strong and big and powerful, Jesus did things in the opposite way. It doesn't paint the picture for a really successful hero of a story. But it's not about what he thought wanted the world to see. It was mainly about who he knew he was and accomplishing what the father asked for him to do. But if there's one thing I've also come to learn when it comes to accomplishments, is that even some of us go through seasons where we believe in Jesus. We know who Jesus is. We've seen him work. We've seen him do miracles in our lives, in those in and around us. We've prayed for people and we've seen things transformed. But many of us have also gone through seasons when we begin to still doubt. Is this the true Jesus? Are you really who you are? The miracles that you've done through me and for me, the miracles that I've seen you do for others, would you still do that for me or is my miracle bank run out? And if there's one thing I wanted us to quickly look at is seeing what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 through to 10. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 through to 10, we're seeing something interesting happen. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in the prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, are you the coming one or do we look for another? I'm going to pause there for a moment. Let me paint the picture to you. You see, John the Baptist saw Jesus where he saw the, what looked like the dove descend on Jesus as he baptized him. He was the forerunner. He's the one that says, there's one that comes whose shoes, whose sandals I cannot tie. But now he's in prison. Now he's got an execution day. But he's still hearing that Jesus is doing all these things. But you're thinking, if I was to probably put it in Southeast London layman terms, bro, man spoke about you to everyone. I'm in prison. And you're leaving me here, fam. Please find out if it's you or somebody else from our wonderful Southeast Londonites in the building as well as online. Go find out, is this the one? The one who I've been a forerunner for? Because I'm still in prison, I'm about to be executed, and people are being healed, miracles are happening, or is there somebody else? Is there maybe another Messiah? Is there, is there a part of the story that I'm missing? 
But what happens? There's more to it. Should we look for another? Verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. Someone say hear and see. He goes as follows, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and the, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Why did he put it there? Why blessed? Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Maybe John became offended. You know that offense when you've done something good for your loved one? Or for your friend, and it seems like they've had no regard for you. You know that offense when you borrowed some money in a dire time, but what you didn't tell them, the money you borrowed them was the last one you had that you needed to pay for a bill for, and you gave it to them, and they said they're going to pay you back. But now you see them online living their best life, and you had a fine for the money you gave them, and they're still looking at you. How you doing, my brother and sister in Christ? And they're putting up all these posts and pictures, and you're thinking, you owe me, not only for the money I gave you, but you don't even know the pain and problem it caused. Does anyone know what I'm talking about there? And sometimes that causes an offense. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Maybe Jesus said that because he's like, oh, John, you're getting offended in there. Oh, you're about to be executed. With everything that was said, I won't lie to you, if I was to read that, especially knowing what John the Baptist had done, I would have easily expected Jesus, oh, my guy's still in prison. Now let's go, let's go free him. Herod, I need him out now. Break open these gates. Free him now. But that's not what he does. He tells him about all the miracles, all the breakthroughs, all the blessings, but not the breakthrough that John expected. When are you going to give up on God? Do you give up on God when what you've been praying for doesn't come to pass? Or do you understand that even this too shall pass? But what happens if this too shall pass? It means that you pass on into eternity. Did you miss the miracle? Was God no longer faithful? Did things not work out? Or do you still trust in the true and living King? Blessed, blessed, keyword blessed, is he who is not offended because of me. But Jesus said, you told me to give up this. Jesus, you told me that I should give that person my last money. I gave them my last money. And guess what? I couldn't get to work. And when I, got, when I didn't get to work, I got sacked. Jesus, really? I'm sure that was the Holy Spirit. I've lost it all. Oh. You see, sometimes when emotions rise, intellect drops. And what happens to us, we get so emotionally charged. Or we look at the reality, but we forget the spirituality. What do I mean by that? We forget what's happening in the spiritual realm. We forget. We forget. Verse 7, and as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitude concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft garments are in the king's houses. You seen a picture? Jesus already painted a picture to us that those that look good, yeah, these are kings. These, this is what you're looking for. But not everything that shines is true gold. And not everything that shines is actually wealth. But if I quickly jump down to verse 10. For this is he whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face, who will prepare, the way, who will prepare your way before you. John completed his mission, even though the ending isn't what he expected or wanted. But he completed his mission. 
but Jesus still went to complete his father's business. What else did Jesus accomplish? In John chapter 4, verse 10, it goes as follows. John chapter 4, verse 10. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. He would have given you living water. Again, she doesn't recognize who she's speaking to. She doesn't know who she's speaking to. Who are you? She's speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Oh, what do you want? What are you doing here? You're not even meant to speak to me. In our culture, during these times, you're not meant to converse with me. And we're alone. You definitely don't do that. See, Jesus was already breaking culture way before time. So when people nowadays talk about, oh, we're, we're changing things, I'm like, no, 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 Jesus is the real revolutionist. I would have given you living water. Why am I bringing this up? Because there's maybe times when people are offering us things that we feel, oh, this is refreshing for our soul or refreshing for our bank account or refreshing for our emotional state, but it might not be refreshing for our mind and our spiritual well-being because someone may give you water, but Christ has come to give you living water. See, living water is alive, it's dynamic. It, it replenishes and it restores and it can give you a new lease of life. And that's what Jesus wanted to grant us. But if there's one thing I've come to learn for many of us, the reason why we do not receive is because we have little faith. I'll say it again. The reason why we do not receive is because we have little faith. Quickly, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 53 to 58. Matthew chapter 13, verse 53 through to 58. And I'm going to jump through some of the scriptures in here. Verse 53. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come into his own country, someone say own country. He taught them in the, in their synagogue so that they, so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get his wisdom and these mighty works? Verse 55. Is this not the carpenter's son? Look at how they look at how they identified him. Jesus knows who he is. He's taught his disciples who he is, but they're still judging him by the information of what they know of old. How does he know all this stuff? He is the carpenter's son. How does he get this wisdom? Is it not his mother Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Verse 56. And his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? It doesn't make sense. He has, it's not like he's gone to Harvard or Oxford or all these places. He's a commoner. He's been with us. How did he get this wisdom and this knowledge, this power and this insight? So they were offended at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Every time I've read that, I've always understood it from the perspective of, yeah, even Jesus' own country, like they didn't rain. They didn't rain. Where he comes from, they didn't rain. But it's only today God took it to another level for me. He doesn't only say in his own country, he says in his own house. Which meant that maybe his own siblings are like, you, Jesus, you, yeah, we know you. We've seen you grow up. See, maybe there's people in your own house that don't rate you. Maybe there's your own siblings. Oh, I want to start this business. You, you that you've always been a flop from day. <laughs> okay, you can't do anything. In your own house. 
Can you imagine a place that you lay your head, they don't even believe in you? Not only your country, your house. But verse 58 is the main part I want us to see. Now he did not do many, many mighty works because of their what? Unbelief. Have you ever wondered, God, why is this not working? Not all the time, not all the time, but maybe sometimes. Some things we've either prayed about and acted on isn't only due to maybe time, but maybe actually unbelief. Yeah, but God, I've prayed, but did you believe? Yeah, but God, I've fasted, but did you believe? Because the last time I read my scripture, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. There's something about faith that changes and transforms things. And I'm going to show you a few more things in that today as well. And my next point here is that we must be wise. We must be wise. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through to 2 goes as follows. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. I love this. It says, wise men came to Jerusalem. Verse 2 saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And where have we seen his, sorry, for we have seen his star in the east and we have come to what? Worship him. Notice, they didn't say we've come to see him. We didn't come to inspect him. We've come to worship him. Because when you have wisdom of what is true, especially when it is of the coming Messiah, it's not about what he may look like, where he may be placed, where he may be raised, but you still come to worship him. Because when you are wise, you don't only see with your eyes. When you are wise, you see through the lens of what God has in his holy word and say, you know what? Because that is true, regardless of what the world says, I will still honor God with that. And in their eyes, they came to worship him. From the east, they saw that star. They came to worship him. For us, we must be wise. Tell your neighbor, you must be wise. You must be wise. And that takes me to my next point. We must stay present. We must stay present. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through to 34 goes as follows. And I, again, I'm just going to pick out a few scriptures in these verses because it's quite a loaded passage verse 25 in Matthew chapter 6 therefore I say to you do not worry about your life do not worry about your life or what you eat or what you drink nor about your body or what you put on is not this life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air and neither, so neither do they sow nor they reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to its stature? I was sharing with a few people during the week. I'll pause there for a moment. I was sharing with a few people during the week that we usually hear people say, you know, when, when you're going through it, just take it day by day. by day." And I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, no, no. We shouldn't be taking it day by day. For some of us, we need to take it moment by moment. Because if we take it day by day, there are some parts in the day that's bad, but because we're taking it day by day, we leave, we, we call the whole day bad because of that bad thing that happened in that part of the day. But that was just a moment in the day. And if you focus on the bad part of the moment in the day, now your whole day's wasted. You've not called the whole day bad. It's just a moment. Just deal with that moment. Take it moment by moment. 
Look at verse 30 of Matthew chapter 6. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not as much more clothe you? Oh, you of little... Why do we worry? Our faith is small. We fear from what we see, forgetting God does so much more from what we do not see. Oh, you have little faith. You know what's interesting about this scripture? It's about the next verses I'm about to read that we hear over and over and over in church in verse 33 onwards. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And we usually stop there. We always talk about Matthew 6, 33, seeking God first, seeking God first, first 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worry of its own things. Sufficient, it's sufficient for the day is of its own trouble. There's enough to deal with right now. There's enough to deal with right now. There's enough to deal with right now. Focus on today, moment by moment. Don't worry, stay present. Don't worry, stay present. So your neighbor, don't worry, stay present. And quickly look at my next point, which is in order for us to really grow in the gift that God has for us, in order for us to really understand who Jesus is as the perfect gift for us, we also need to put our gift on the ground. Why do I say put our gift on the ground? Some of us are misusing the gift that we actually just need to put it down and just listen to God. Just kneel down. Sometimes be face down. And just listen to God. Because many of us have tied our identity to our gifts. What do I mean by that? Many of times, if you ask somebody new, even as we do meet and greet in church, hey, nice to meet you. What's your name? And people usually say, and when people say, tell me about yourself. Most of the time when people say, tell me about yourself, what do people usually say? What they do, their career, right? Or I work here. No, but that's not who you are. That's what you do. And it shows how much we tie ourselves to what we do. Uh, well, these are my gifts, my skill sets, and therefore I do this. No, you're a child of God. You're a royal priesthood. You're way much more than what you do. But why is this important? This is important because as we begin to look at some of the things that we have here in Scripture, we can see in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through to 11, goes as follows. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. <laughs> Verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold of the grace of God. We have a duty to steward our gift well. And if we were to reverse engineer what we just read and we were to read it backwards, we would understand that we need to be good stewards of the gift that God has given us by being hospitable without grumbling to anybody. And we need to understand that as long as we have love for one another, we cover all the sins of, and the complaining and the troubles and the trials that some people have placed on one another. You see what I've done there? And why is these things important? because we have to first put our gifts on the ground. Seek God's face. And God, what do you have me do right now? 
What do you have me go right now? How do you have me behave right now? Why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you because as of yet, I'm still yet to tell you the title of my sermon. Have you noticed? That's right. And as of yet, there's still something that I would like to share with you guys. I told you this morning I felt jiggy, felt excited. To my wonderful two contestants, can I still have you back on stage please? Let's give them a round of applause as they make their way up. With your gifts, look at them like, I ain't bringing my gift, he's gonna take it back. <laughs> no, with your gifts, with your gifts. Just stand here, how you doing, welcome. All right, cool. Now come close, I don't buy it, man, it's okay. How you doing, you okay? Okay, cool. So, um, I want like, a battle with some of the gifts. Yeah, you see, you're happy now, isn't it? Yeah, you, you. that's fine. Okay, if you don't want it, you can give it back to me. All right, cool. Okay, bring out your gift, please. Um, can I have the scissors, please? All right, cool. Bring out your gift, please. Don't open it yet, but today, <laughs> if you don't want it, I'll take that all that back. Okay, chocolate and yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Do you, I can take it back if you don't want it. You don't want yours? I never said that. Okay. <laughs> open your gift, please. Hold on. Because you was first, you won first. So open your gift. Don't stab oh, me. I don't no, trust no. you. Okay. Open your gift, please. Oh, why well, you done this before, boy? Okay, cool. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah. Always comes in handy, I guess. Always comes in handy, man. <laughs> yeah? Cool. Do you want it? I can take it back. Yeah, you okay? Do you want yours? I can take it back. I'll add it to the rest at home. <laughs> oh, you add it to the rest at home? Okay, cool. Open yours. Yeah. Anything? I didn't 419 you. 419 for those online means that people that do people for some of the stuff that they have. Great. Okay. So you got iPhone box. I think yeah. it's nice though. These boxes are quite expensive, by the way. Okay. Open your celebrations. I know when you see celebrations, some of you guys are battling with the trauma because you know that's usually pounded damn powder in there. Receipts? Receipts. Okay. So your gift is not exactly exciting, right? And your gift is toilet roll. You're going to add it to the ones at home. Okay. Is it? Oh no, it's not used. It's not used. <laughs> open it. No, open it. It's sealed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. fine. So I know. Yeah, so you can keep it at home. I believe. Right? Would you want to swap gifts? Mm, well. <laughs> Would you like to swap gifts? Do you know what? No. No. I'm going to cherish this one. Yeah? I, I, I love that. Come forward. I love that. Give her a round of applause. Do you know why I love that? Because she said, even I've got some of these at home, I can add this to what I have at home. But hopefully, before you get home, you might need to open your gift. Open your gift. You have to go to the toilet here. No, don't go to the toilet here. <laughs> open your gift. <laughs> oh, hey. Oh. I love that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank well, you. Five pounds. The title of my sermon today is The Poorly Packaged Present. A poorly packaged present. Jesus came to be a gift to us. A gift of grace, a gift of love, 
the gift of truth that leads to eternal life. And at times, things happen in the world where we get all the shiny items and it's well packaged. It's good. And we're ready to celebrate. But it's empty. And sometimes we get things and didn't even think of the wrapping. It looks dry. You gave me toilet roll. But until we unravel the gift that's within us, and until the world is willing to unravel and know more about who Jesus is to us, they will never ever catch the revelation of our Lord and Savior. You see, Jesus is more than just a person that you add to your life. Oh, I gave my life to Jesus. Yeah, he's no, no, no. Jesus is all of your life. Jesus is not coming to be an extra piece of decoration in your life. Jesus is actually coming to rip out the house that you live in completely and turn a house into a mansion. Let me tell you how Jesus is so powerful. Jesus is the only person that if you was to walk into your house right now, you know like the line of the witch in the wardrobe? Have you guys ever seen that before? Yeah. Where you look like you're in a space, but when you walk in, you're in a whole new place like Narnia. She's the only person that can actually turn your flat into a mansion, but on the outside, it still looks like a flat until you enter and you find out it's a mansion. What am I saying? The world saw Jesus as poor. It says the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. He was born in a manger. He came in on a donkey. Because not everybody in this world could be rich, but everyone in this world has experienced some form of poverty. Financial, mental, emotional poverty. And he knew he can associate with the lowly because he knew he wanted to take everyone from a low state to a heavenly state. And until we open up our gifts, we never know what Jesus wants to do in us and through us. And my prayer point today, for those listening online and those of us here, is that let us not be fast to rush to catch things that look good on the outside. Because the word of God tells me that Jesus looks at that heart. The heart. And we can grow in that by his grace. Jesus' name. Give our ladies a wonderful thank you. As you guys are there, if you guys can just please stand. You guys take a seat. Thank you. And as you stand, I just wanted to extend two prayer points. If you could just close your eyes for me, please. Those that are here today. It's actually three prayer points, really. The first one is twofold. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I wanted us to pray that God, firstly, any gift in me. Sorry, first God, the gift of Jesus Christ that I have abused, that I've misused, that I've not even fully understood. Reveal yourself to me, God. Just raise your hands. Even if you're online and just want to pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that they get a new revelation of who you are. A new revelation of your power, your grace, your love, your forgiveness and your mercy. God, have your way in them. And my second part of that first prayer point is that every gift that God has put in you, as, as Timothy tells us, by the laying of the hands, that will stir up your gift, that you will not abuse it, that you will not misuse it, and you have enough faith to believe that God will do something amazing through it. Father, Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that every single soul in here, oh God, that comes before you humbly, Lord, I pray that you help them stir up their gift, strengthen them, enrich them, enlighten them. Help them, O oh Lord, to realize what you placed in them, even though the world may not understand, even though the world may not acknowledge, even though the world may not value. You value, O oh Lord. And because they are a vessel, you want them to use it for your glory. In Jesus' name. As every head is still bowed and every eye is still